itself to you. And so that's, that's a little bit about that. We'll go into a little bit more during the message of which we're entering into right now. Uh, be still and know. Be still and know. so sci-fi. <laughs> the mysteries. It reminds me of the mysteries of God. And by the way, if I can just peek back in at the first conference, the next three days, starting at six o'clock tonight, Monday night, six, Tuesday at six, you're going to hear about some mysteries of God. In fact, I needed to say, well, our speaker tonight said, if they have anybody, if they're sick, they should come. If they know anybody that's sick and needs prayer for healing, they should come. It's going, to be, it's going to be a night where God is going to move. The next three days, God is going to move on you in such a way that it, beginning this fast, I believe, and I really believe this, you're going to hear some things from God that he's going to unfold for the next 21 days. And so be here tonight, tomorrow night, and the next night. We're going to learn how to be still in the Lord and know. I'm going to give you some verses. of. There's a verse that God says, if you'll do this, he, 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 I'm going to show you several verses that God says, I'll do this. And it always starts with us initiating something for God to begin to respond to. In Joel 2, 12, it says, even now declares the Lord, the Lord is saying, return to me with your whole heart. There's been a lot of distractions over the holidays, you know, right? You feel like, oh man, I've just been going and going and going. I can't settle in. I don't even feel like really connected with the Lord, whatever the case. Joel 2.12 said, be, be, even now, even after your holidays, now that, now, even now, draw near to me. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. What are you saying? Return to me with fasting, with sacrifice, but with your whole heart. Don't give me, don't half step me. Don't try to negotiate what food you can and can't eat. <laughs> Just go with me. Don't, don't try to cheat me out of what belongs to me for the sake of your own desires. You, I want your whole heart. And as you come after me, I want you to come after me with all of it. Not with reserve. Don't come after me with reserve. Because I'll keep what's for you in reserve. You see what? Come after me with your whole heart. And then Joel 2.25 says, the Lord says, I'll give you back what you lost. Anybody lost anything over the last 22 months? Yeah. And here, here's what I felt like the Lord pressed upon me. It is a promise, by the way, multiple times that you will get back what you lost, if you will. And as you pursue God and you get spiritually closer to God and he cleanses your soul and your perspective, you will get back what you lost. But I'm going to say even more so that God's going to give you something back that's so great you won't even recognize it as it was lost. What you lost is going to come back, grown, developed, beautified, and much more uh, exponential than what it was when you lost it. And you're actually going to thank God that you actually lost it. And it's going to happen through pursuing him with fasting and sacrifice and wholeheartedness. All the, all the tears and the worry and the lamenting over 22 months of having lost that thing is going to turn into, God, thank you so much that I lost that. I didn't realize it could look like this. Maybe I needed to go through that so that I could be here with that. So fasting, if you have any questions about fasting, in January 21, I did a, a message on fasting that was just 
it should answer every one of your questions. Can't really do that today. We're barely even going to get through what, we, what I have for you today, but go back and listen, January 2021, to that. Because God, God uses, we, actually it's for us more than anything, to get rid of the distractions and just focus on God. In the last 15 years, I've, I've, fo- I've fasted annually and, and oftentimes more routinely than just once a year. And I always get the answer or answers to the, the needs or the questions, the concerns I have in my heart. And sometimes I will go to him with questions that I have or needing direction into a fast. And sometimes he doesn't answer directly the question I have. Instead, he gives me a greater answer to a concern I didn't know I have. And that is actually the question I should have been asking, which answers my other question. Both of them out. You ever gone into a question, you ask the wrong question, where that's the wrong question, ask the wrong question, and you finally just, you know what I'm quoting asking. What question should I be asking? Here's the question you should be answering, you asking. And so God is trying to align us according to his will. He's just saying, will you just make room for me? And I'm asking you for the next 21 days, will you just make room for him? Will you just commit 21 days to making room for God in your life? So 21 days of prayer, you see this little trifold actually here. And if you'll invest even in this right here, I'm telling you there is enough wisdom in this little trifold that will get you through and beyond the next 21 days. But there's some options for fasting in there. There's a full fast, drink only liquids uh, or juices. There's a three to seven day fast. We're asking for a 21 day fast. There's sometimes people fast intermittently, maybe 18 hours, including sleep, 18 hours of the day. And then they get their food and the other six hours of the day. Uh, We are, I'm inviting you into, and we are going as a staff into a modified Daniel fast. What that looks like is no sweets, no meats, no breads. And when I say meats, no, no meats during the day, no beef, no pork. We are, here's the nuance, we're going to add fish or poultry in the evenings only, not fried, but two hours before dinner. We want people to be able to go along with through, through the whole 21 days with us. And I'm asking you too, to add 10 minutes a day of non-work-related physical activity. So we're wanting to work on body, mind, and soul. And here's the soul part. Pulling away from social media and Netflix for extended amount of times, TV, secular shows, anything that you know. This is a distraction. My soul loves it. No more Yellowstone. (laughs) How would you know? (laughs) I just saw fleshly stuff just rise up. I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure, oh, you wouldn't want to know what I saw in the spirit right then. (laughs) Case in point, let go of the fleshly stuff and grab a hold of spiritual stuff. There's actually little little timers you can put on on your phone to where it'll help you regulate how much time you spend on your screen. Try to keep it to 15, 30 minutes. If you can't cut social media and all these things out and instead do this when you sit on the pot to go to social media, because I know that's your favorite pastime. Instead, download this app that's called Version, and then go into Version and read their handy little verses that are on this page right here for the next 21 days. 
And then once you've read those in your meditation station, you can go out and do your, <laughs> your, your, ten, your 10 minutes of activity. And when you're walking, you can pray and think about the scriptures and talk about the scriptures with God for that 10 minutes out of the day. Whew, wouldn't that be good? And some of you are like, I can't even spend, I can't, I can't reduce my social media screen time down to 15 minutes. But I'm asking you, can you spend 15 minutes a day with the Lord? Yes. Mm. And so I want to invite you to the next 21 days to just go on this journey with us. This, I, I believe it's going, to spend, it's going to propel you into a deeper journey with the Lord. And that's what it's really about. And so fasting is not a diet. A diet changes the way you look. Fasting changes the way you see. And it's only going to change the way you see if we're doing spiritual things along the fasting. That's why we give you verses. That's why we give you other content. That's why we're kicking it off with a, a first conference. Fasting changes your perspective. It changes your heart attitude. Anybody need an attitude change? Yeah. Hallelujah. Revival in the house. It changes your focus, what you're focused on. In Matthew 16, 18, there's another I will. God says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And it's, it's interesting how Jesus makes this very personal. And the reason he does is because him building the church is saying, I can't just build my church without you doing your part. Because the gates of Hades are coming against the church. And you being the church have a responsibility to live out so that Jesus can build his church. Amen. And then when the body, each individual, is not doing their part, because people like to say, well, I'm the church. Well, then do the church. Then, then be the church. Then how do I be the church? Well, everything that Scripture says in it, I begin to live out and according to. I have such a desire for him, for Jesus, for what God has done me, done in me. I can't help but to fulfill Scripture to the best of my ability, accompanied with his supernatural ability. That's the church. I can't just say I'm a believer and say I'm the church because the gates of Hades is prevailing against that. That's why we have so many struggles in the church. Because the church who says they're the church is not being the church. And it's time to be the church. And five years ago when we planted Thrive, we said the last thing that Henderson County needs is another church. Can I get an amen on that? That is passionate about what breaks God's heart. What his heart is for. And that would be a people discovering who they are and who he is. People would be discovering what their true identity is, who would be praising God for his goodness, and yet they're finding their purpose in him so that they can be the world changers, the church, which the gates of Hades will not prevail. That is true. That, that's the church that's necessary in Henderson County. Oh, I can see why Thrive is here now, because you've lived here for a very long time. That's why five years ago we planted Thrive Community Church. And thank God for what he's done in such a short amount of time. And the theme for this series, in fact, the theme for this year, as you saw it in the eerie mystical presentation, is be still and know. It comes from Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be, another will be, exalted among the nations. Another verse that says, I will be honored 
among the nations. He says, I will be exalted in the earth. I will be honored in the earth. We can be still and know whenever we are actually doing the things that God has called and created us to do as the body, as the church. And when we do the church, then he will be exalted. He will be honored. So in me coming in and, and being who God said for me to be, the blueprint of life, when, I, when I'm living that out, he's exalted. And when I'm living that out and he's exalted, then I can be still and know that he's going to take care of my junk while I'm taking care of his junk. That is true. But he can't take care of my junk while I've got my hands all over my junk and I'm not focused on what is his. I'm flipping our old lifestyle of being lost, unsaved individuals upside down because that's how lost, unsaved individuals think. They think, I need to deal with my stuff. I think logically. I need to worry about my problems. I need to take care of my problems. No, in faith, as Christians, I have saved people. No, I need to care about what God cares about. I need to live by faith. I need to do the things that I don't quite understand and I can't quite see them, but I know that he will reveal them in due time. That's what a believer does he can't put his hands on your on your stuff because you're constantly moving it around on his stuff on your stuff and I truly believe that after 22 months like we've had God wants us to return back to foundational truths the things that make his church so distinctive and that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit not only to comfort us in a time, our times of need, but to counsel us and on how to live life alongside the fullness of his word, but to, and to just get back to center and being still within ourselves with the full confidence that if we will do what he tells us to do, he will fulfill all of his promises that he said he will fulfill. We just have to do our part. And when a handful of us got together and we were praying in to thrive, and Lord, what do you want to see for thrive? We're, here's one of the things that we said. I see a church that is not where people have found a relationship with God instead of religion. And where living for God is no longer a duty, but a delight. It's not about a bunch of human rules of people who said, well, here's what this means, scripture means. no. It's about a people who have a relationship with God through the scriptures, through, with the Holy Spirit, so they understand, oh, here's how I conform to the image of Christ, as scripture says. Rules, house rules, never changed anybody's life. They just gave us a bunch of boundaries that would lead to religion and led to a bunch of hardship and a lot of bad attitudes we need to be delivered through from a fast. But when I have a relationship with the scriptures and with the God of the scriptures and the word who is the Logos, who is never changing and will never end and will never pass away, everything you see that we think are rules and, and, and worth holding on to will pass away, but not one word from God will pass away. That, when we start to live from that, lives change. Anybody need to change life? I, me. Me. There was a lady when we first came in, she, she was very kind. So let me just set this up. Some of you know people like this, but that she has a scowl, like naturally has a scowl on her face. Like that's her face gesture. I not, maybe, it's, maybe it's just you know, hard times in the past, but she came up to me one Sunday and she said, Pastor Nathan, I found out what I don't like about this church. And I'm just standing there smiling, you know, because a pastor, you got to 
Yes, sister. Please help me. Please help me understand. You make me wait six days until I get to see my friends again. I'm like, don't you do that to me again. <laughs> but let me tell you, that person, that lady with a scowl on her face, as she continued to come and, 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 and just be a part of the spiritual journey that God had for her at Thrive, just the smile, the life. And that's what she said. It's so life-giving, and I've needed life for a long time. It's changed her family. It's changed her husband. She's glad her, hus- her husband's even glad she's going to church. Isn't that great? Hallelujah for wives getting changed. No, I'm sorry. Never mind. <laughs> and husbands who need it even more so. Praise the Lord. And that's the essence of Christianity, though. It's not about me. It's relationship with God that moves me to fulfill his word and to serve him by serving others, which would never include a phrase where it's a duty and as much as it's a delight. I don't have to. I get to. I get to serve others. In God's church, it takes each individual doing their part to create an environment that is ripe for others to come in to be introduced to Jesus and begin to find freedom for their own lives and for their own families. And to accomplish this, it requires passion. And Scripture talks about a time, a generation, where a, a people would lose passion for God. And Matthew 5, 15, 8, and 9 says... These people honor me with their lips. They show up. They're still taking communion. They're getting baptized. They're even doing their little daily readings. But then he says, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely merely human rules. Never changes anybody's life. Church was never intended to be a place where people just come in, sit around, get up, and go home. No passion, no commitments, no involvement, no intentional growth, no discipleship. Me, me, me. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail. I'm the church, then be the church. Romans 12, 11 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. How do we know how spiritual, Lord, spiritual server? Serving the Lord. And I don't do it out of duty. I do it out of delight. Spiritual fervor, passion, zeal. When God says to be still and know, he doesn't mean come in and just enjoy the fruit of others' labors, people. Just enjoy whatever everybody else has done. No, he means have a zealous, in the Greek, white hot, boiling over spiritual fervor for serving the Lord. Zealous. While internally being quiet, being still within with a supernatural confidence, if I'll just do my part, then God will take care of everything else that's been on my mind. And the more I let God take care of what's been on my mind and I put my mind on what's on his mind, I actually get to find life. I'm rewriting your software in this because it's been jacked up since the fall. And the more we trust our fall logic than our faith logic, the more jacked up we'll be. It is true. 
And it's amusing the lengths that some believers will go for Halloween parties, sporting events, fishing and hunting. They'll go in great lengths. Like, I just got back from snowboarding. It was 12 hours each way. I, mean, I went through a great length, and I enjoyed myself, by the way. A great length. But, it, but all kinds of effort, and then come into the, the house of the Lord in somber, stoic. They're playing some good music. They're not playing music. They're leading you into the throne room of God, and you're in the throne room of God. You're patting your foot, hoping nobody will see it. You might be considered charismatic. And some of you just need to let that foot pat work up through your legs, through your body, and start moving, and start grooving. Like, whoa, can I shake my hips in church? If it's for the Lord, you better. <laughs> it's time to get back to intentionally taking our next steps in our own spiritual journey. And, and, and when we will stir up a passion, uh, we stir up a passion for God's house. Stir up a passion for God's house and invest ourselves towards what God intends his church to be. I can be still and know. I'm doing my part. I'm doing what he's called me to do. I'm conforming to his image. I'm doing what he's called me. You can be still and know that he is God and he will come through for me. If I'll just stay committed, even through the hard times. Oh, this is, this is the tough part. Not, this is where I always, you know, it, it always turns into this. That's because that's the next leg of the journey for it to turn. It's supposed to be easy if, God, if it's God's path. No, the door is wide open, but everything behind that door is very difficult. Some of y'all just got saved into serving right there. Because when it got tough, you quit. It just gets too hard. Yeah. Because God's working you out of you. And that's hard. Anybody got kids? I'm going to give you four areas of passion. And it's not just. It does include our kids' ministry. Worship. Hospitality. Our full guest experience. Man, get, find a place. Get plugged in this year. But I'm going to give you four areas of passion that carry the heart of God. And I think we lack some passion. We're somber and we're stoic because Hollywood has depicted Jesus in this really strange way where he looks like all the movies you see him, he's always got these two fingers like E.T., right? <laughs> like what's the... What's the and so you feel like, well, if that's Jesus, then I need to be somber and stoic as well in the throne room. And that looks nothing like Scripture. But I think even more so, Scripture says that kids would flock to him. I think other than, rather than that, I feel like Jesus must have been more like, and more like, I got him turning lint into lemon drops. Here you go, kids. Kids, I got candy for everybody, and it's not even Halloween. Kids will flock to him. You know, kids got a radar. They know what's up with an adult. They know something's not right. They can see it, smell it from a mile away, but they flocked to Jesus. So I don't think he was stoic. I don't think he was lacking passion. In fact, as you study out the words, there are things that God really finds, or has passion for, that we have passion for and zeal for. 
John 2, 14 and 17, I don't know if you, you remember, but in, in the temple, there were money changers that were taking advantage of others. And they were selling, they were merchandising, they were selling things, uh, livestock to people who were poor coming in with their sacrifice that they attended to, they had cared for. And it was their sacrifice unto the Lord. And the religious folk would come in, were saying, hey, that's not good enough. Let me, sell, let me take yours and sell you something that God will actually accept. They were money changing. And so God was burned up. Jesus was burned up by that. He was whittling out a little whip. And what they were doing was they were taking the attention of God's people away from what is important in the temple. And they were making money off of it instead. And he says, wait a minute. Something's not right. We need a zeal and a passion for what God is, is saying, what God is doing. And they didn't have a zeal for what God was saying or doing because these people were trying to convince them what they were bringing to the Lord was not good enough. And so Jesus says this in verse 17. I'm going to skip down. It says, then his disciples, because Jesus came in and he ran them out. Then his disciples remembered the prophecy from the scriptures, passion for God's house will consume me. And there needs to be a revived passion for God's house. There needs to be a fervor, a spiritual fervor for coming in and serving the Lord in God's house. Rather than coming in focused on wrong things, focused on me in worship, focused on self, focused on what I can get out of God's house. No, a spiritual fervor for God's house. In my adult life, and even now, as, even, even, I'm sorry, even as a new believer, I never could come to church and not serve. Because when I discovered as a believer who I am, I discovered that I am one who serves. It's not idemic old fallen nature. It's Christ's nature in me. If I say I'm a believer, it's who I am. So I have to agree with who he says I am rather than what I feel. Somebody hear me. Amen. There's a rewriting of software that must take place. Can I defrag a little bit? I've always come to church. Because I love to serve and serve because I love to serve God because of what he is doing, has done, and is doing for me. Because he, he's done some stuff in my life. I know, I remember what life used to be like before Christ. I remember how self-serving I was. But in Christ. And the reason many believers struggle so much is because they're not growing in their salvation through a passionate works Jesus demands of us all. Oh, he didn't ask you to serve. To whom much has been given, much more will be demanded. Oh, you've been given a lot. You've been given life. That is true. So to whom has been given life, way much more is going to be demanded of you. Scripture. I can't come in, sit down, enjoy whatever everyone else has done, and get to leave and say, ooh, that just changed my life. No, it's not. And your life's getting beat up by it because you're not growing in your salvation. I thought once I was saved, I was good. No. You're good for heaven, but you got a target on your back now. Hey, that is true. Time to get to work. 
Here, here are four things that God has a, a passion for us to have a passion and a zeal for. But sadly, these are the same four things that we often have a, a lukewarm attitudes towards. And number one is, pa- is prayer, a passion for prayer. Somewhere along the way, prayer has become this, bow your heads, close your eyes, and be very quiet as you pray. And that's nothing, there's nothing in Scripture about that. I've actually, at the end of a service, sometimes I'll pray, and, and sometimes I'll just see God doing a work, and I'll pray over people, and I'm, I'm praying in my spirit as I'm praying out loud. I actually had a, a friend of mine told me, a guest he brought, he said, yeah, he said he's never coming back because that preacher prayed, out loud, prayed with his eyes open. Oh, I want to see, see where God's moving on people. I want to see where he, what he's doing so I can join what God is doing rather than try to get God to do what I'm doing. And I can't see it if my spiritual eyes aren't open. Because you can see. But religion is like drone. And that's actually not even how the Bible shows us to pray. And when, 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 the, when the disciples would gather together, when the people would gather together, they would raise, gather together with a raised voice. They would lift their hands in praise, and they would shout unto the Lord, and the earth would shake. And in fact, one time, the Holy Spirit fell upon everybody. And in fact, the church was birthed out of men and women, actually. But men gathered and shouting unto the Lord with their hands raised, praising and declaring the goodness of God, the world was changed. It was exciting, kind of like, like the playoff parties you might be having tonight, or the fishing, the hunting, the whatever it is that you do to distract yourself. Snowboarding is fun. Not going to be a distraction, though. And it wasn't like, now, now, now lay me down to sleep. I pray my, the Lord my soul to keep. That puts Jesus to sleep. Like... <laughs> You just started a prayer. Jesus can't answer anything because he's asleep. You put him to sleep with your prayers. You don't want Jesus to be asleep. You want him to be awake and be attentive and like, hey, I'm listening. What you got? What can we do? It's like your kids that are kind of playing around in the room or wherever, and you're like, you're zoned out. They're They're not worried about you. You're not worried about them. They're good. But let one of them say, mommy, daddy. And you're like, yeah, what can we What do we need? And that's how we're living our lives. We're just kind of doing our own thing. We're just, it's good. Like we live in America. We, have a, we live a good life. We, we get to have good things. And, and just, you know, as long as I get to be me and do me, God's not in there. He doesn't have to be. You don't need him. You got your own gods that you're setting yourself up with. But the moment you say, God, I need some help. I don't know how to do this. I don't know my, how my finances are going to work through this, my family. Yes, wait, wait, wait. You, start to, you, start to, you start to get his attention. Yeah, what do you want to do? What can we do? You ready, you ready, you ready to hear all and, and receive what I got for you? And then we listen. Matthew 21, 13 says, It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And we are robbing God when we are not coming into his house wholeheartedly according to his word. We're robbing him. And James 5, 16 says, The effectual fervent prayer. Fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It also says, in return, if you use logic, it says, if you're not praying fervently, then your prayers availeth nada, nothing. 
Gosh, why are my prayers getting answered? Well, are they fervent? Are you really seeking the Lord? Are you passionately seeking the Lord for the needs and the desires, the things that are, that are on your heart? Are you, are you fervently praying? I mean, I prayed. Yeah, well, it's a fervent prayer. And it's time to wake our prayer lives up. And my biggest pet peeve is this one. Oh, uh, I have an unspoken request, unspoken prayer need. Great, I won't mention it. 100% that's my response. If you don't want to mention it, I won't either. You can just keep it to yourself. It's the dumbest thing ever. Satan's mad, Satan's covering just all over what could be a blessing to, to God. Prayer, our first response and not our last resort. First response, not our last resort. Next 21 days, please, please, please. Begin to become a fervent prayer. If you don't know what to pray, just pray the verses back that you're reading. God, your word says this, this, and this. And I need this over my family. I'm asking you to do this for for my life. Lord, change my heart. Don't ask God to change your spouse. Ask God to change you, okay? Just a little advice there. It always backfires. It always backfires. Be like, yeah, baby, I was praying for you. I pray that God would just change your attitude, change your heart, change the way you see finances and change it. So I'm praying, baby. I'm praying. You will get slapped. (laughs) Don't do it. Please don't do it. We don't have enough time for all that marriage counseling. It just, number two, passion for praise and worship. A A passion for praise and worship. And it might, it might set some of you free if you thought less about yourself in worship and more about God. There may be some chains that fall off in the moment you, you quit thinking about yourself in the, in the throne room of God. And the, the 150 chapters of Psalms are some of the most demonstrative, expressive words on shouting unto the Lord, lifting your, heads up, your hands up in praise. And you're like, Pastor, well, I don't have any victory. And you won't until you begin to shout with a voice of victory. Again, in faith, it is, I don't have it, but I got it because it belongs to him. And as, if, as long as I'm doing what he's asking me to do, he's giving the victory to me. So I can shout with a voice of praise when all hell is breaking loose because it's already been, beat, been defeated. It just has to do a work right here and right here. Then I see it. Mark 12, 30 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, with all that strength that you use to go fishing, hunting, the celebrations at the parties, at the Super Bowl party you're getting ready to go to next month, all that stuff that you use there, right here. You know, well, how do I know? I'll tell you what, start to gauge yourself. Am 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 I giving more praise and celebrations and hallelujahs and yeah, get them outside of the church? than I am inside the church, then that can help me monitor how I, how I praise the Lord. Praise uh, Psalms 103.1. Praise the Lord, O my soul, soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. We have to get back, though, to being just centered, still, and knowing that God is who he says he is by us doing what he tells us, he says for us to do according to his word. There was a guy named King David who God honored, God loved him. God said he was a man after my own heart. He, he called Jerusalem the city of David, which was God's city, the city of David because of one thing. And David was a little bit of a mess up, by the way, like us. He, God, David honored the presence of God. 
He honored praise towards God. And there was a time where the, the, the Ark of the Covenant was coming back to Jerusalem and had, had been with the Philistines. And David is bringing it in, making many sacrifices, a sacrifice every six steps. He's bringing it into where it belongs. And, and the Ark of the Covenant carried, embraced the, the, the presence of God. And David is exciting. He's disrobing. He's taking his clothes off. He's celebrating. He's spinning. He's dancing. And his wife, Michael, from her little balcony says, how, can, how dare you? How dare you disrobe in the sight of slave girls, uh, of, of, his serve, of your servants, as any vulgar fellow would? So stoic, somber, and dignified. And David said to Michael, I don't care who was there. It was before the Lord that I was dancing. Let me say it this way. I don't care who's on my row. I don't care who's sitting beside, behind me. I'm not dancing for them. It's for the Lord. And he says this, he says, who, who chose me rather than your family, your father, or anyone else in your household? Wow, he just took it a step further. And he says this, he continues, he says, I will celebrate before the Lord and I will become, I will become even more undignified than this. And I just want to declare right now, we as this church will become even more undignified than what you may have already experienced in this house so far. And if that makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry, but it ain't for you. And it ain't about you. It's about the one who we serve. We have to be an out loud people of worship. We have to be. There's a a town in in North Carolina, a space in North Carolina. I'm not even going to get through this. Air Force Base, F-16s flying over the interstate, and there's like sonic booms, and they're just loud, and they're just, they hit those thrusters, and boom, they're gone. And there were accidents happening. People were wrecking and, and, and all over. So the, the, the town was like, okay, we got to do something to warn the people that there might be a, distract, a distracting noise. So they're thinking patriotic, obviously. They put a sign coming into town, coming in towards the Air Force Base, and it says, pardon the noise. This is the sound of freedom. And that should be the, the heart of God's church. Pardon the noise. Pardon, pardon my hands. Pardon my shouting. But this is the sound of freedom. Because I can remember what God has done in my life and has set me free. So pardon the noise. Anybody with me? Has God set anybody free in this house? Amen. Come on, somebody. We give God what he deserves. We give God what he deserves and not what, he, what we feel. Well, I don't feel like it. It's not about you. You are no longer in your old nature. You are in Christ, and it's about him, and it's not about what we feel. It's about what he deserves. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. Is that all you got? You sure you're saved? Three, number three, passion for purity. And this is not perfection. This is a people that are willing to stand up for God, stand up for his ways. And in Phinehas, in in the book of Numbers, there was a couple, there was a couple that were, people were mocking God, mocking the temple. They were mocking, like a generation who is mocking the church even this day. They were mocking what belongs to God. They were mocking what God was doing. And there was a couple who were outside of marriage, were going into the temple and having sex. 
And Phinehas grabs his little spear and he walks in. He says, not in my God's house and jabs a spear right through the both of them in the temple of God. And when we come in, we're the temple, right? Who, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we come in and we're reserving what belongs to God and we're keeping it for ourselves, we're adulterating the temple of God. And it's time for God's people to put a spear in it. I got three claps on that. Everybody else is like, no, not me. <laughs> I can't clap. Dang. <laughs> you got me. Second Kings 10, 16, Jehu, prophet, said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. And that's what everybody should be saying. Come on in. Let's see some zeal for the Lord in the house of, house of the Lord, the house of God. Let's be a voice and not an echo. An echo brings into the house of God what's going on in culture, in society, all the attitudes, the heart issues, the, the junk. But we're here to be a voice. And we get our voice from the throne room. And we begin to align ourselves with what God is saying. We begin to speak out the very things that he's saying. And lastly, number four is this, a passion. This is, this is actually number one in God's heart, a passion for people. A passion for people. Because in John three sixteen, God, God so loved, says he so loved the world. And, and, and there's something that God so loved. Shouldn't it be that the people that belong to God so love as well, so love that they're, they're willing to passionately pursue. You see, God will be exalted if we will be, if we will be still and know by doing what we're called and created to do. God's only going to be exalted when we are so passionate for others that we are loving others towards him so that the nations will be exalted Others is why we exist. And I can't serve others when I'm serving myself. In Acts 20, 24, Paul says this, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. My life's worth nothing But I'm doing all these things. <laughs> Is that what God assigned you to do? Like, I'm just asking you, I'm telling you, get on the go team this year. Find a team or a group to be a part of. Get into a tribe. Are there a people that are so disgusted with what's going on in society today that they're willing to go invest in the next generation that's coming up? Like, you're like, Pastor, I don't even like kids. I'm not asking you to like kids. I'm asking you to be so disgusted with what's going on in society that you're willing to deal with kids in a loving way so that you can play the long game and change society in the future. Because the pendulum will swing if God's people will invest in what it requires to swing. And it's the next generation. And the moment you say in your heart, well, what about me? Oh, gosh. You're never going to get what God has for you until it becomes about others. I know what I'm going through. I know. I know times are tough. I know times are hard. 
I know there's struggles, but I'm telling you right now, you will never find life until you start giving it away. Next week, we have our next steps, 6 p.m., right here, dinner, pre-register. It's a time to get plugged in. Become part of the change. Stop the excuse-making. Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you for a revived passion, for prayer, for praise. Father, we... We ask that you do a, a work in our heart for purity and for other people. In the book of Revelations, it said, I have this against you. You've gone away from your first love. He, says, he said, consider how it was in the beginning. Consider what you used to be willing to do. He's saying, consider how it was when you first got saved. We were excited to serve, excited to tell people about Jesus, excited to give. You were excited to praise God. He says, I got this against you. You've gone away from that. So consider what you used to do. And he's not requesting. He's saying, consider and do it. Because he's saying, Oh, that little bit of flame of life, you know, you, 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 little, little bit of big slider flame. He said, I'll put that out too. I'll allow you to deal with the fruit of your decisions until it's so painful that you're willing to come. And he says, now repent. He says, now repent. And do the things that you were doing formerly. He's saying, revive the passion that you had when you first gave your life to the Lord and you first realized he has set you free. Father, we just pray for freedom. Pray for your, your passion, your, your spirit to move upon us. Lord, help us to find a fervor, a zeal yet again for your house, for your word, for your ways. Strengthen us through the 21 days, Father. And we just want to be all you've created us to be. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, let's stand up and worship. Tonight, 6 p.m. Tomorrow, 6 p.m. Tuesday, 6 p.m. I want to see you here, First Conference.